I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of November 2010. I always start off by just getting this out of the way by telling newcomers to the show to look into my website, which is cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you'll see a whole bunch of sites listed there. If you find, when you're downloading the free audios that you've got sticking or hesitation on download, try the alternate sites listed there, because... So many folk go into the comment at the same time, especially the day after the show. And remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you. You'll hear ads on the show, but that's paid directly by advertisers to RBN for the production and the broadcast and the transmission and all the rest of it. It pays their staff and equipment and their bills. So help me out with mine by going into the cuttingthroughthemetries.com website and buying the books I have for sale. These books are different. They're not done in the usual academic fashion where they simply indoctrinate you with his stories, which is history. I try and tell you that the cons that are used down through history right up to the present time, often through symbolism as well. And symbols are a very big part of this. In fact, you'll see them all around you. They go back to ancient times, the same symbols over and over, because big fraternities really run the world on behalf of the, the boys who own it. And yeah, the world is owned by a few at the top. So purchase these books and you certainly will find yourself waking up because they're embedded in it really when you read it. There's techniques to help you wake out of your slumber because we've all been conditioned through an indoctrination process not to think and not to reason. So these books will help you to start thinking for yourself, hopefully. And they're all, all those sites you see there listed uh, have the same audios for download. They've got the same uh, transcripts in English of a lot of the talks for download too for print up. And if you want them in other languages, go into alanwattsentient.sentinel.eu and you'll find other languages to choose up for uh, print ups. And pass them around to your friends too because uh, maybe one out of every hundred, who knows, how it's, getting, it's really falling today. People are going down quickly, as you've noticed, I'm sure. But if you get one in a hundred who starts asking the right questions, hopefully you've set them on the right path. And then it's up to them to, to keep investigating for themselves. And go through the, through the awful, awful maze of disinformation as well before they'll ever come to the truth. Because those at the top have never left any avenue uncovered. Why would they leave something uncovered when the whole idea is to entrap you and bring you into a false reality and control you from then on in a false reality? And then you often find the ones who are sent out to mislead you have you chasing your tails forever and ever and ever with aliens and all kinds of weird stuff rather than tell you that the basic facts that men in associations, in fraternities, in big amalgamations with each other, combines you might say, with foundations bypassed all forms of government a long time ago. They had no intention of ever giving you anything called democracy. Never in any intention whatsoever. And they had big plans before World War One. 
during World War I, and then afterwards they built their League of Nations, and then they brought in their, their United Nations with all their, their front NGOs to push a communistic system on society as they brought it down so that the fascists at the top could rule it very easily. That's how the dialectic works. And we're well in, on our way today, well on our way in fact. It's been on the go, as I say, before any of us were born. And as I say, I've gone through a lot of the histories of this and documentation of it. And you can trace it through certain foundations that started off institutions that were private, that people actually think are somehow government uh, organ, organs today, in fact, like the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs or the Council on Foreign Relations, because there's so many of their men in government or in advisory capacities to presidents and prime ministers. And yet, as I say, they're basically uh, they're working for private organizations. And you don't vote in private organizations, but that's what's running your life today. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know what? As things get worse and worse, you wish you were going backwards to some better time that wasn't quite as bad as today because today truly has the writing on the wall. And... uh, Speaking of writing on the wall, I'll read an article in a second. But remember, if you want to read the, my own books and so on, order them at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. And you can use PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase, send the, your, a separate email after the, the PayPal donation with the name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And that's the same across the rest of this planet. And uh, some people want to use Western Union, which is okay. It's kind of expensive for straight wiring. Uh, uh, Some people use MoneyGram, which also can wire. But MoneyGram has the option of giving you a check in Canadian dollars, wherever you happen to live, and you can post it yourself. It's a far cheaper way of doing things than going through the hefty ones that... uh, Western Union. Or as I say, PayPal is fine. Some people just send cash too. And please send it in because, believe you me, I had one, one donation today and that's not too pleasant. And that's what I put up with because I don't have advertisers coming on the show. I could, I could terrify the life out of you doing a dual act, going back and forth with a guest. And then they'll send you the antidote at the end of it. And then you'll fork out your cash. And I'd be awfully happy because I'd have, I'd have far more money to play with than I've had for an awful long time. It's expensive what I do, so it's up to you. This is alternate media. And remember, too, there are very few stations left where you can get a chance to hear alternate points of view. And I think, personally, it'll become more politically correct, most of the stations, as time goes on. And new guests, new, new hosts even come in with the new ideas that we're all one, we're all global, and so on. It won't matter so much to them that they're global. And, of course, they'll also send the plants in. That happens every so often in Patriot Radio. They do send plants in, and many of them come in under the guise of guests, in fact. And um, then they churn out their books, which is humanly impossible to churn out a book per month. So you know darn well there's ghostwriters behind them. I've watched this over many years, and I'm sure it still goes on today. And then some of them may even end up with positions at the United Nations. And then they have their huge herbal industries on the sides as well. And because of their status and their Knights of Malta and all the rest of it, they get added to it. And the United Nations um, approval 
they jack up all their prices for all the grass that they, they want you to buy and eat to cure everything, of course. But it's up to you. It's a free world, free choices. Getting back to what I was saying, too, um, every year gets worse. We know the writing's on the wall. I've read so much of it here from the big boys themselves and their proclamations and their declarations and their and their global agreements and their global charters that they all make. You see, it's way past democracy or even any semblance of democracy. It's way past republicanism, way past that too. And it's no surprise because the big boys who created the Council on Foreign Relations, which was a royal issue of international affairs run by the big bankers at the top, set up by them in fact to bring in this global system, uh, they decided a long time ago that they'd bypass republicanism and the Constitution of America, because, and they said it in their own magazine, Foreign Affairs, that they couldn't hit it head on because of too many arguments, so they simply ignore it, go around it by simply building a kind of superstructure of new laws, a big scaffolding all around it and over it, and that is what they have done. And of course, big money rules this world, and big money certainly rules America. And with the big money, you can buy anybody you want and put them in there as front men, including all the politicians. And that's also what you've got. There's no semblance at all left, as far as I can see, of anything called democracy. Now, there was a, a journalist who did a lot of documentaries for the BBC and other main world programs called, called John Pilger. And... He himself um, used to belong to the left wing to an extent, the socialist system. And at one time, in fact, he was sent in by the labor organizations of Britain. That's your, you call it more democratic or liberals there. And his job was to really infiltrate Maggie Thatcher's system. And, and he did it too by seducing some of the guys, apparently, in this cabinet staff, because that's the type of generally work there. And most governments. Anyway, getting back to the story, John Pilger really has nothing to lose in his present condition. And um, I think he's got cancer of the throat or something. I'm just hoping I'm right with the right person here. But um, he has written a book. I haven't seen it yet, but he, he's got his own website out. And I've seen him on document, uh, documentaries, and he has stood up to some of the top world leaders. And he doesn't back down. Uh, when they try and, you know, gently put him off uh, pursuing a particular line of question, questioning, he, he will pursue it regardless. And uh, he's like a little terrier in a sense. And um, he's come out with his own dire warnings of what's happening. And what he's saying in this article I'm about to read is the obvious. It is the obvious. He says here, the party game is over, stand and fight. This is from the 4th of November, 2010. Then he quotes uh, a poem by Shelley. It says, Rise like lions after slumber in unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few. It says, These days the stirring lines of Percy Shelley's mask of anarchy may seem, seem unattainable. I don't think so. Shelley was both a romantic and a political truth-teller. His words resonate now because only one political course is left to those who are disenfranchised and whose ruin is announced on a government spreadsheet. That's an awful lot of people. It's most people, actually. It's all people, except those who are extremely rich, if you understand their agenda. It says, born of the never-again spirit of 1945, social democracy has surrendered to an extreme political cult of money worship. 
This has reached its apogee with when one trillion pounds of public British money was handed unconditionally to corrupt banks in Britain by a Labour government whose leader, Gordon Brown, had previously described financiers as the nation's greatest example and his personal inspiration. And they've just, he's moving over, by the way, Brown, to be the head of the American branch, the IMF, to make sure he can help bankrupt the U.S. even faster now that they've signed their G20 meeting and you would be raising all your taxes 6% to jack off to countries in the third world. You know, that's the story in a way. It says, this is not to say parliamentary politics is meaningless. It has one meaning now, the replacement of democracy with a business plan for every human activity, every dream, every decency, every hope, every child born. Now, for the harder thinking, I I should really repeat that to see if it will lodge in your mind. He says, it's not to say that parliamentary politics is meaningless. He says, it it has one meaning now. This, This is its meaning. The replacement of democracy with a business plan for every human activity, every dream, every decency, every hope, every child born. This is the Soviet system for the masses, you see, run by the fascist ritually at the top. That was always intended to be the way. He said the old myths of British rectitude, imperial in origin, provided false comfort while Tony Blair's gang built the foundation of the present coalition. This is led by a former public relations or propaganda man for an asset stripper and by a bagman who will inherit his knighthood and the tax-shielded fortune of his father, the 17th Baronet of Banning Taylor, David Cameron and George Osborne are essentially fossilized spivs, that's upper-class snobs, who in colonial times would have been sent by their daddies to claim foreign terrain and plunder. And that is very true. Actually, if you go into Cameron's history, it's quite interesting, and his wife's too, she's even more interesting. It says, today they are claiming 21st century Britain and imposing their vicious antique ideology, albeit served as economic snake oil. The designs have nothing to do with a a deficit crisis. A deficit of 10% is not remotely a crisis. When Britain was officially bankrupt at the end of Second World War, the government built its greatest public institutions, such as the National Health Service and the arts edifices of London South Bank. And that is true. That is true. They had a great National Health Service until the big boys got right into it, and so did the, the big pharma, of course, and took it over and decided to bankrupt it. And then, of course, they, they, they simply put their old boys into politics and parliament and gradually take it down slice by slice by slice. Because they want big profits from being sick. A lot of money in, being, in illness and death, you know. It says, there is no economic rationale for the assault described cravenly by the BBC as a public spending review. That's what we've got in every country now, a public spending review, which means slash, slashes and cuts and everything. The debt is exclusively the responsibility of those who incurred it, the super-rich and the gamblers in the stock market. However, that's beside the point. What is happening in Britain is a seizure of an opportunity to destroy the tenuous humanity of the modern state. It's a coup, a shock doctrine as applied by Pinochet's Chile and Yeltsin's China. And it's true, that's what the view is on the public, a shock doctrine, shock and awe. Shock and awe, remember that phrase, shock and awe. Well, the banks go, that's what can we do? Slash and burn, slash and burn. Tighten your belts, austerity. All planned. 
It says, In Britain there is no need for tanks in the street. In its managerial indifference to the freedoms, it is said to hold dear bourgeois Britain, and it has allowed its uh, parliament to create a surveillance state with 3,000 new criminal offences. 3,000 new criminal offences and laws. More than for the whole of the previous century. Powers of arrest and detention have never been greater. The police have the impunity to kill, and that's true. They get off with it. They kill. They're proven over and over, and they get off with it. And asylum seekers can be restrained to death on commercial flights. Restrained to death. Athol Fugard is right. With Harold Pinter gone, no acclaimed writer or artist dare depart from their well-remunerated vanity. In other words, they're all paid off. The media is all paid off. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the Matrix, reading an article by John Pilger, who's talking about that it's time to stand up and fight. If you want anything left at all, it's not going to be given to you by pleading uh, or pretending it doesn't exist, and what's happening doesn't exist, and it's it's all going to get better by itself. And that's true, I've read so many articles here from the big boys telling you where it's all going. It's a plan, a big business plan. See, countries are just corporations. They're private businesses. Collectively, you're one big private business. You individually happen to be part of the private business as a producer and consumer. And they're going for the big one, you see, the collective world society, where it's all one big business owned by the the biggest boys who own the countries at the present. So getting back to this article, he says, there's no need for tanks in the streets. That's true. You know, they've got psychology going. They've got everybody managed well by the press and trivia. Exactly as Brzezinski and Kissinger and many others said would happen at this particular time. It's already happened. It's been happening for years. And it says here uh, that uh, in its managerial indifference to the freedoms, it is said to hold dear bourgeois Britain has allowed Parliament to create a surveillance state with 3,000 new criminal offences and laws more than for a whole of the previous century. Powers of arrest and detention have never been greater. The police have the impunity to kill, and asylum seekers can be restrained to death on commercial flights, which has already happened. And then he goes on to talk about the, the media, you see, who should, who's, who, we, we're all been trained to think the media is there to tell us the truth and tell us to worry, what to worry about and what to do about it. Do a reasoning for us, exactly as, as, um, Brzezinski said. It says, with Harold Pinter gone, no acclaimed writer or artist dare depart from their well-remunerated vanity. They're well, well paid, these, these particular writers and the famous faces that you think give you your news. With so much in need of saying, they have nothing to say. Liberalism, the vainest ideology, was hauled up its ladder. The chief opportunist, Nick Clegg, uh, Clegg is something that sucks your blood in Britain too, it's an insight to a nasty creature, gave no electoral hints of his odious faction's compliance with the dismantling of much of British post-war society. The theft of £83 billion in jobs and services, that's what they've lost, £83 billion in jobs and services, that's an awful lot of people laid off too, matches almost exactly the amount of tax legally avoided, legally avoided by piratical 
as pirates, of course, corporations. Without fanfare, the super-rich have been assured they can dodge up to £40 billion in tax payments. That's true. They pass a law to allow them they can dodge up to £40 billion in tax payments in the secrecy of Swiss banks. The day this was sewn up, Osborne, the guy that's in charge of the, the welfare and so on in Britain, attacked those who cheat the welfare system. Again, let's get the guys at the bottom, eh? He omitted the real amount lost, which was a minuscule 0.5 billion pounds, and that the 10.5 billions in benefit payments was not claimed at all. So 10.5 billion was even claimed by the people who should have received it. But he goes and gives the guys at the top 40 billion pounds in tax uh, relief. They can stash it all in Swiss banks quite, quite securely. I always go for the ones that have no power, you see. And then Huang, the welfare guys, in a country that literally has got massive unemployment and people are flooding in from all over the world, exactly what Tony Blair said he wanted to do to destroy any vestige of British society altogether. And I read that article from the mainstream member a few weeks back. The propaganda arm in the press and broadcasting dutifully presents this as an unfortunate, but it's necessary. Mark how the fireman's action is covered on Channel 4 News following an item that portrayed modest, courageous people as basically reckless. John Snow demanded that the leaders of the London Fire Authority and the Fire Brigades Union go straight from the studio and mediate now, this minute. I'll get the taxis, he declared. Forget the thousands of jobs that are to be eliminated from the fire service and the public danger beyond bonfire night. Knock their jolly heads together. Good stuff, said the presenter. This is the attitude in Britain now, you see. Just lay them all off, slash and burn, lay them all off, so that the big boys can stash their £40 billion pounds in Switzerland. Ken Loach's 1983 documentary series, Questions of Leadership, opens with a, sequ- a sequence of earnest young trade unionists on platforms exhorting the masses. They are then shown older, florid, self-satisfied, and finally adorned in the airmen of the House of Lords. See what they do? They put their own guys in the top for years over the trade unions. They sneak them in, spies, just like they do in every sequence of society. You'll get it everywhere, every sect of society. You get it in the patriot movement, you get it everywhere. They don't miss a trick. Why should they miss a trick? It was the same with the, with the, the ones who were working hand in hand with them, the communist boys. They were sent in, and they do the hardest work in any group, stay and do overtime, and eventually they get elected to the head of it. That's how they took it over. Same tricks because it's run, both are run by the same ones, you see. The right and the left, owned by the, the body, the bird in the middle. But the body's always hidden behind the shield, right? So you can't see it. But anyway, that's what they do. These, these great uh, guys who are the heads of the trade unions, I speak for the people and the workers. And they get knighted, and then they get up into the House of Lords. Then they get their airman, as he says here, their airman gown and cloak, so they can be a lord for serving the great work of the Queen, of course. Anyway, it says, um, it says, uh, it says, once at a Durham, a Durham Miners Gala, I asked Tony Woodley, now Joint General Secretary of Unite, isn't the problem the clockwork collaboration of the union leadership? He almost agreed, implying that the rise of bloods like himself would change that. The new type they put in, the British Airways cabin crew strike over which Woodley presides, is said to have made gains. Well, has it? And why hasn't, haven't the unions risen against totalitarian laws that place free trade unions in a vice? 
See, they've destroyed everything. The BEE workers, British Airways workers, the firefighters, the council workers, the post office workers, the National Health Service workers, the London underground staff, the teachers, the lecturers, the students, can more than match the French if they're resolute and imaginative, forging with the wider social justice movement, potentially the greatest popular resistance ever. Look at the web, listen to the public support at the fire stations. There's no other way now. There is no other way now. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. I think I got cut off there because the music never came in. So I'll carry on anyway from where I was. And, and John Pelger has gone on about what's been happening. Not just in Britain, of course, you could apply this across the, the world because it's the same organization running the world today with the same agenda, using the same techniques. But I just say at the end that, um, that Britain and other countries too should match other countries who are rioting right now. And they've got students rioting, all kinds of ones rioting. Mind you, it's a, it's a mass confusion out there too. Don't forget the other ones would bring in a communist system, which would be just as bad and totalitarian. You'd end up with the same system, really, in reality, with the same surveillance, etc. Totalitarianism cannot do it any other way. But anyway, he says there's no other way now except take to, to literally fight. That's what he's saying. And he says direct action, civil dis- disobedience is unerring. Read Shelley and do it, he goes on to say. Now, but he doesn't mention the fact, as I say, that it's a bit late in the game since the government's preparing, been preparing for this stage across the world for the last 25 years with special police forces, which are armies now. They're armies. And signing treaty after treaty to help each country out where riots begin. That's already been done years ago. Years ago. But he is quite correct, and the the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and that is the agenda, folks. That is the Darwinian agenda, where those who are deemed less fit to live will simply die off first, you see, and work its way up. And then they'll have their utopia down the road somewhere where they can clone good slaves to be nice and obedient. But before that, they'll have to get to the brain chip for what's remaining and use chemicals and pharma to keep everybody dumb and happy. It's not, it's not difficult keeping people dumb and happy. Look around you. Maybe look at yourself, some of you, and think about it. What do you do with your spare time? What do you watch? What do you laugh at? You've got lots of stuff that's churned out by the media to keep you entertained. A lot of folk now are so conditioned to entertainment, they get their history from it, from, from movies. Fake history. They get their emotions from it. It's the only place they can use their emotions as getting lost in the, in the movies that are churned out. That's where they get their excitement from. Where the good guy who's up against injustice stands up for himself and does it all. Rides into the town, cleans it up and rides out again. Meanwhile, they do nothing, nothing to help themselves. Nothing. Or help others too. But that's what you've got. It's total psychology, work, behaviorism, pharma, spraying the skies like crazy. I've been watching them. I don't care who's, who still can't see them. That's their tough luck. If they're so conditioned, they cannot see. And they have no memory of how it used to be only 10, 12 years ago. Tough luck. So you'd be under total attack, complete total attack. But I'll tell you what you also have to do is get all the social engineers out of the schools. 
out of the schools and out of the kindergartens too. And no special groups, no special equality status above everybody else's equality for special groups of any kind whatsoever. None. Because that's all control factors, that's what that is. To destroy cultures, what's left of any culture. You all have the same rights or none at all. Now, here's an article from the New York Times. It's a bit of a trivia thing, really. That's all you're getting churned out today is trivia. New York Times, hey, aren't those wacky commies in the West Village cool? And it says, it says, amid the honeycomb of offices in the hidden rooms on the ground floor of a shabby brick building facing the Hudson River, activists and agitators unite for classes like Antonio Gramsci. That, that, Gramsci's quite an amazing guy. He influenced a lot of the communist movement, in fact, and did a lot of the planning and work for it, too, in its early writings. Revolutionary strategy and the historic block and talks like envisioning a post-capitalist future. Networks of pipes sneaking along the ceilings and glimpses of exposed brick give this space a slightly industrial feel which seems fitting for discussions on labor theory and worker exploitation. But there is also the monthly game night and regulars put down their copies of Daz Capital and immerse themselves in table tennis, uh, uh, foosball, whatever that is, and a complicated Marxist version of Monopoly called, appropriately, Class Struggle. In a city known for cynicism, the Brecht, which survives on donations, is a surprisingly open and idealistic place. So really, I'll put these links up at cuttingthroughmates.com and you read them yourself, because this isn't really worth reading, except to remember that New York, I was so surprised many, many years ago, because when you had to delve into Marxism and communism and the Soviet system, Publications in New York were they were churning out books and books and books in communism from from where from the Empire City, the Empire State. What, what empire are they talking about? Which one do you think? It runs the commercial and economic empire of the world, along with the city of London. But also ran again the dialectic, the communist side of it too. Everything that was published in Russia for the communist read was published in New York for all the communists there to read. And that really was the centre of it, the dialectic, as I say. So I'll put this link up for you to read. It's a bit of a, a, a nothing article, but that's what the, the, the happy, overpaid media are getting to do now, is just give us nothing articles. And what's interesting, too, for folk who don't really get what's happening, uh, is to do with the, the big seed vault, of course. You've all heard about the Doomsday Vault, where they put... Uh, they're collecting all the natural seeds for plants, for 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 um, agriculture, and storing them in this massive vault way up in the Nordic Sea, uh, so that you can have access to it. It's guarded with guys with machine guns and all the rest of it, and high tech security. And it's a private storage place. Of course, Rockefeller and the big boys' gates are all involved in it for the elite to come through once they've killed off all the rest of the planet with their GMO food and their poisons and all their weed killers and all the other nice things they bring upon us. But it says here, In hopes of bolstering our defenses in the event of a major food crisis, researchers sent tens of thousands of seeds from different types of rice last week. So they're collecting all the last uh, wild rice. Last week to a doomsday vault in the archipelago Svalbard. Contained in black boxes, 42,627 samples of rice seeds 
travelled to the mountains of the Norwegian archipelago, about 746 miles uh, from the North Pole. The Svalbard Global Seed Vault is buried deep inside the icy mountains, where it protects all of the world's important crop seeds in case of a man-made or natural disaster. Now that should give you pause to think anyway. Why is it there? They have other ones across the world, hidden too from the general public. Because they, they plan to bring on their man-made disaster. The rice collection was sent from the International Rice Research Institute, whose first deposit to the Doomsday Vault included 70,180 rice seed samples sent in 2008. If ideal temperature and storage conditions remain inside the vault, seeds can be stored for hundreds of years, scientists say. Hundreds of years. The giant ice box of sorts, which was officially opened on February 26, 2008, is designed to protect the world's crop diversity from natural or man-made disasters. It's interesting, too, the guys who are making sure that all this happens and they, and they can save themselves down the road and their offspring, of course. It's only right that the proper people get through, the fittest, uh, according to them, of course, that they're poisoning you all across the world by dumping their GMO crops all over the planet, even in places, places who haven't asked for them. They spray them from the air. They drop the seed from the air and contaminate everything and ruin all the natural stuff. But only after they've got the stuff out of there to, for the, to put in their vaults. That happened in Mexico with the corn and other countries too. So, they say it's dug into the, the, the Plata Birgit mountain, uh, located near the village of uh, Longyearbyen, in Svalbard, a group of islands north of mainland Norway. The Arctic permafrost offers natural freezing for the seeds, while additional cooling brings the temperatures down to a minus 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit. And if the mountain of snow enshrouding the storage rooms wasn't enough protection, what better bodyguard than one of nature's biggest beasts? The region on Svalbard surrounding the seed vault is remote, severe, and inhabited by polar bears, according to the Global Crop Diversity Trust, which helps to support the vault's operations. As I say, all the big boys and the big foundations are involved in this, because after all, they call themselves the Lucky Gene Club. And I've read about the articles from their meetings. You know, Oprah Winfrey grows and Gates goes, and everybody who suddenly makes it uh, goes. They suddenly get a concern about too many people. Apparently, it comes with getting rich and famous. It just comes on you all of a sudden, and you want to, you know, cut down the population and make sure that your own offspring will get through, uh, as Darwin predicted, that it should happen. It says the, the preciousness of such seeds is reflected in the inaccessible nature of the vault. Well, of course, he's just said that 10,000 times already. 10,000, anyone seeking access to the seeds themselves will have to pass through four locked doors, the heavy steel entrance doors, a second door, approximately 150 millimeters or meters down the tunnel, and finally the two keyed airlock doors, the trust rights. Keys are coded to allow access to different levels of the facility, and not all keys unlock all doors. Then they go into all the different fail-safe backups and so on. They really don't want anyone else getting in there, eh? Fail-safe backups. Amazing. As they plunder the planet and, and send people out to the remotest countries, all over the world, they're doing it all, they've been doing it the last couple of years, few years in fact, to collect the last samples of really wild seeds that are, have been really, they've been grown for thousands of years in some areas. And they can get through any kind of nat- natural disaster that they've been through in the past, nasty climates and so on. 
While we'll all be stuck on the same uh, genetic material where they wipe out whole crops, maybe whole countries of the one crop, because they don't have a diversity of crops in the same species. There's many different species within the same species, many strains of it. And Monsanto's making sure you get the one species which will get wiped out one day, of course, with something that comes along. Obvious, isn't it? And to couple that too, you also have this article here on Bill Gates and these boys. These guys, again, another guy who was pushed up there to be rich and a good front man. Not, not to say much, of course, because you don't say much when you're a front man. You let your peer man do it all for you. And uh, you'll live a good, happy, fat life. Uh, and you, you won't do an awful lot. And you'll appear at a few speeches and read your script. It's written by a script writer. Be a good front man for the big boys who really created you. And again, suddenly you'll become so interested in depopulation that you've got to help the people, especially women's health. They're all concerned about women's health, which means sterilization and abortion, by the way, for those really naive people out there. Anyway, experts in the safety of genetically modified organisms have expressed concern over the release of genetically modified mosquitoes into the wild on the Cayman Islands, which was publicized internationally only last month, a year after their initial release. So this is what happens in the world. They spray you for 12 years. They still say nothing about it. They release genetically modified mosquitoes in the Cayman Islands, and they tell us a year later. The trial of the OX513A strain of the dengue-carrying Aedes aegypti mosquito, developed by UK biotechnology company Oxitech, was carried out on Grand Cayman Islands by Cayman Islands Mosquito Research and Control Unit in 2009, followed by a bigger release between May and October this year. Together they represent the first known release of GM mosquitoes anywhere in the world, which is an utter lie. Because the military was doing it, and under their declassified stuff that I've read in the past, they were driving tractor trailers into little villages and towns in the U.S. back in the 60s and 70s, and the people were waking up and their houses were covered in mosquitoes. So that's a big lie. Anyway, unpublished results of the trial showing the GM male mosquitoes competed with wild males were presented at the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene Annual Meeting in the U.S. last week. That was on 4th of November. The male GM mosquitoes mate with normal females to produce larvae that die unless the antibiotic tetracycline is present. In tetracycline's absence, an enzyme accumulates to a toxic level, killing the larvae. The developers hope the strategy could combine with other mosquito control methods to reduce transmission in dengue-prone areas. Ricarda Steinbrecher, a geneticist and co-director of EcoNexus, which is a UK non-profit research organisation, expressed surprise that the trials had occurred, saying that they had not been mentioned in the fifth meeting of the parties to the Cartagena Protocol on Biosafety, which addresses international safety issues relating to GM organisms in Nagoya, Japan, last month. She describes the lack of publicity surrounding the trials as worrying, both from the scientific perspective as well as public participation perspective. Then they go through the stuff that they talked to the, the, the government of the Cayman Islands that gave, gave it the go-ahead. Obviously, they were paid off too. And no doubt they gave them a little holiday during that period so that they wouldn't get infected with anything in case something went wrong. But, but did the public get a vote on it? Or were they told? Of course not. Any more than you're told what they're doing to you. Anyway, just over 3 million male mosquitoes were released in the Cayman Islands this year. Oxitec sent the GM eggs to the island, which are a British overseas territory, and they were hatched and grown at the MRCU. 
Angela Harris, a senior researcher at MRC, told SciDev.net that her unit consulted with several Cayman Islands government departments beforehand. She said there had been a, a newspaper article and public consultation within the Cayman Islands, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they're going to do it again, and eventually they say here, they're going to do it possibly in America, the U.S. as well. It says here they're waiting for approval for the release of GM mosquitoes in Brazil, Panama, and the United States. Did you get asked about this? Did, were you asked what you thought about it, and are you for it or against it? No. Any more than the peasants of the Cayman Islands were asked either. But that's the world you're living in now. They still call it democracy, though, just to con people. And it works with a, lot, with a lot of people today. They still think they're a democracy of some kind, even though the U.S. is supposed to be a republic. <laughs> ah, dear, dear, dear. And then again, too, you get Walmart putting up their prices, sometimes by up to 60%, as craftily, quietly raising them. Now, they have a limited dollar competition, and all the little stores that had a variety of stuff are out of business. That's what they do with monopolies. They put you out of business, undercut you till you're gone. Then they jack everything up. They do it with food and everything else, too, with the groceries and supermarkets. Walmart has been quietly raising prices. It says, J.P. Morgan Chase recently released a study of a Virginia Walmart found that in the past six weeks, the retailer raised prices on an average of 6%, but on some products as high as 60%, up to 60%. It says, and that isn't a typo. The rising prices are found throughout the store in groceries, laundry and cleaning supplies and so on. They've all been affected by the major price hikes. Then I'll give you some examples of what went up. Someone, even oatmeal went up by 65%. And it says many middle class folks join the ranks of the poor every day. The economic downturn. I like that it's a depression, folks. It's a, it's a manufactured planned depression. Two bring you down into a second or one and a half world status while well, the, the third world countries come down. We'll, we'll, down we'll, we'll probably go down to two and a half, I think, in North America. Not quite the third, but two and a half. And, and maybe hit third down the road eventually. It says, we spend less and demand is low. The trend is rising, prices and a general contraction is a small business sector. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And I'm going to put two more articles up on the site tonight, cuttingthroughthematrix.com on the IMF with its 6%. as it dole out your tax money and redistribution of wealth, they call it. This is all part of the communist planks, of course, the redistribution of wealth from those countries that are getting poorer to those ones who are claimed to be even more poor. And I've said many times over, no country rises to power unless the big money boys bring in the money. And this is what they're doing. Brazil isn't bringing this up by its own uh, bootstraps. Neither did China. The World Trade Organization was brought up by your tax money over many, many years by funneling your money through the OECD and other institutions, these strange quasi-governmental private interest institutions that use your tax money to train their engineers, give them the factories, and you paid for, their, for even the transporting of your factories abroad. So 
that's the kind of republic or democracy you happen to live in, folks. It's nothing to do with rights for the people. Never has been for an awful, awful long time. In some countries like Britain, it never was. There's also another one out, another article I'm going to put up there about a new uh, game for children. It's a video game. And uh, the whole premise of the game is the world is overpopulated. I guess I'll put it into kindergarten and get them trained there. The ones who excel in this game will get good jobs and bio labs probably to kill off people in, in reality. Anyway, the game is how do you get rid of so many folk? Well, you design your own virus to kill them. And that's the games they're giving children today. And believe you me, you better look into the history of video games. They're all started by the war departments of every country in the Pentagon and funded by them. Because, you see, every thought in your head has been given to you. The way you behave has been given to you. Your opinions on things, even the things you stand up for, are generally given to you. You've got more Pavlovian responses in you than you'll ever imagine, and they're all triggered by trigger words and phrases to make you angry or happy or whatever. That's how simple it is. It's social psychology, behaviorism, has been drummed into you from a thousand sources and you're unaware of it, mainly through entertainment. That's how all of it starts, is through entertainment, mainly comedies, where you, you start to accept things which may even abhor you in reality. Then it becomes funny, and then it's no threat anymore. But in reality, the threat still exists, believe you me. Psychological warfare is only one of the many tools used upon the masses. And... Uh, there's many, many other tools using you too. But social indoctrination at school is a tremendous science. You can use uh, videos in school with emotion behind the music and so on when the, the narrator is going through certain topics coupled with pictures, and that embeds in their head for life, even though it's fake, even though they're giving him a spin on something or telling them only a partial truth or even a downright lie. It doesn't matter. Emotion imprints the image and the idea that goes with it in your brain, and you don't even have to get involved in the process. You will simply act it out later in life when those topics come up because you think you know it all. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>